0: Welcome to the G Three Podcast. I'm Virgil Walker. I'm here with Josh Bice, Scott Annual. We're excited about this particular uh, episode today. It is going to be a fantastic conversation. It's already created a massive dust up in social media. Um, I, I haven't noticed. You haven't noticed no. that, have you? Have- I've had other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> You've been pretty busy, right? A little bit. Stuff to do. I get it. That is absolutely the case here. In fact, we've got a a lot of things happening, particularly as it relates to our national conference, which we want to invite you to. Uh, It is the G3 2023 national conference. Uh, It is all about the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Uh, It's one that you won't want to miss. It's going to be here in Atlanta, Georgia. We don't want you to miss it. Come be a part of this incredible event. It's a biennial conference. It happens every other year. So mark your calendars set set the, the the alarms make sure you get there go to g3men.org and get registered today with that said I don't want to waste a ton of time on a bunch of uh, uh, announcements which we'll get to uh, but really I want to jump into uh, an important conversation uh, today it's not it, it hasn't gone unnoticed uh, that the issue of Christian nationalism is uh, you know is at the fore mm. Uh we're talking about it. There are, there are writers who've written about it, uh, things that have been said about it. And I, I'm, one of the things that I love about, about what we do here at G3 is we don't race into conversations. Uh, we really take our time. Listen. Think through now. While we've been accused of not having read the material and not taking a look at, at what people have said, uh, that's absolutely the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian nationalism has been a been a conversation that's been happening uh, since uh, Stephen Wolf's book has come out in November of last year. And even
1: before that, and even
0: before yeah. that, conversations were happening around that. Uh, but now it's kind of it's kind of bubbled up, and now that that G three has taken a stand on this issue. Um, it looks like the the conversation has kind of reached a, a boiling point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to toss things to you, Josh, and just kind of you know maybe even have it talk through a little bit of w- how we did what we did. Uh, and, and I know a, p- a lot of people are talking about what we're against, but perhaps even have a conversation mm-hmm. about what we're for. Yeah. Uh, so as we te- tease this out and, and talk about it, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the ball to you and let sure. you jump into it.
2: Yeah. Well, everything we do within G3 Ministries, obviously you men know this, is for the purpose of glorifying God and for the strengthening of local churches. So. If we're writing an article, we have that aim and that intention in mind. It sort of undergirds everything that we do. So if we're having a conversation like this in a podcast or if we're having a conference or a workshop or if we're you know publishing articles, then it's always going to be with the goal of strengthening God's people. So as it pertains to the conversation of Christian nationalism, again, there's all sorts of different varieties. And I think that's really the problem right is that you have someone writing a book that says it's a case for Christian nationalism but really it's a case for Stephen Wolfe's version of Christian nationalism mm. because there's a lot of different types of mm-hmm. Christian nationalists when you start thinking about you know the the political sphere you have You know, all sorts of strange things, like in the article that I wrote on the the differing shades of Christian nationalism, Mm -hmm. which can be found on the website, we sort of walk through some of those different forms. But one of the things that I I would like to say at the beginning is that, you know, we have friends that even within a theological framework that we would say we can agree with them on a whole lot, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about um, this this conversation, you know, obviously the end goal for us ultimately is we have our aim. I think the way that Abraham did, as th- this pilgrim mm-hmm. mindset, he is he's basically looking at the the world around him, and he's he's always putting his gaze on a different city, mm-hmm. on the city whose maker and designer, designer and builder, is God. Mm-hmm. We see that language in Hebrews 11. But one of the things that we that we're longing for, yes, is the new heavens and the new earth. We're longing for the day when, you know King Jesus rules and reigns in a visible form mm-hmm. here on this renewed earth. Mm-hmm. Um, how we get to that point is going to be in our estimation. It's going to be different than, say, our friends, that hold to more of a post-millennial eschatology or, you know, the the ideas of even Christian nationalism, and there's so many, you know, issues that need to be dealt with under that umbrella. Um, Or even as far as, say, like a mere Christendom that you hear Hmm. coming out of, say, Doug Wilson that's about to release a book on that very subject, um, we ultimately— are going to be in the same place together. But how we get there, and again, this is a question of eschatology, I think, yeah. and, it, and it undergirds this conversation at, at various levels. Yeah. And what I'm not saying is that um, that in order for you to engage in a Christian nationalist project that you have to embrace post eschatology. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I am suggesting is that our ultimate goal within the Christian sphere should be we, we, we believe that we're going to be there together in the end, but how we get there is going to be different as we read Scripture. Yep. Now, as we think about Christian nationalism, just as we've sort of tried to define it from, say, using Wolf's definition and others, one of the things that I can say as we even have conversations on social media with some of the people that we love and respect, we could actually say that we agree with him on a lot of things. Yeah. So this idea of well, we're against drag queen story hour at the local library, mm-hmm. um, or we're against the, the alphabet soup of the day that's being crammed down our throat, or we're against this idea of redefining marriage from God's blueprint, or we're against you know all these various different influences from the woke ideologies that are being pressed upon the church today. So how do we deal with that? And so we have some people that say, well, you know, we have to have a manly, robust, muscular form of Christianity that says we're going to stand in the public square and we're going to just fight it out, you know, with, with, with all of the, the leaders within the civil realm, and we're going to just basically, you know, claim dominion over, over every aspect of, of our culture. And what we can agree with on simple terms is that a christian should actually speak to the the civil sphere Absolutely. in the public square mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we should actually speak to as john the baptist did to herod right. and say you should not have your brother's wife we should actually do as john piper did and speak to the president of the united states when he's celebrating the the slaughter of of innocent babies, yep. we should actually do what John MacArthur did, as he modeled in California, as he speaks to the governor in an open letter. Right. Uh, so we should we should do this. Yeah. We should do what we did during COVID, and we should actually say no. That's not the jurisdiction of the state, mm-hmm. and the church has the right to actually gather and worship because. This is the realm and the sphere where God says that we are to obey Him, and so you can't speak to this. Right. We should see specific boundaries, and again, I think that that's where we start to get into some of the differences, perhaps, but the, the real critique that I've seen on social media is that we are like polar opposites, and right. we don't agree on all these really big right. things, right. or that we might embrace a loser theology. Right. I disagree with that. Absolutely, I, I, actually, I actually reject the idea that that the choices
0: that I have are either uh, Wolf's version of Christian nationalism, or some Mamby Pamby watered down version of a, of a David French right. version. Absolutely. Of, of Christianity. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's not. Those are not the two options that yeah. are on the yeah. table. And the
1: big difference is what you just articulated, Josh. And that is, we believe we ought to stand firm in Absolutely. the public sphere. Yeah. Sphere. We ought to call our governmental leaders to repentance. We ought to tell them, kiss the sun, lest you perish in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to stand against the, the denigration that's happening in our society. We agree with that completely. And I believe th- this, is, this is a really important point to make because we agree on so much. We agree on the problems we have we grieve over the same denigration of our society mm-hmm. and we even strongly agree about standing firm and preaching the gospel and also preaching morality to our culture. So there's this there's this large uh, segment of agreement the disagreements then go beyond that yeah and and, the, and what we would say is that Christian nationalism wants more than that more yeah. than just, firmly standing for morality in our society
0: and, and not, not only do we believe those things we've demonstrated sure. that yeah. we that we've done that yeah. right mm-hmm. all along the lines of the issue of, of social justice mm-hmm. uh, we had a statement on social justice called leaders uh within within you know,
1: josh you spearheaded yeah. I mean, yeah that's the irony here yeah,
2: yeah. And, and in fact the interesting thing about that is you know we had all sorts of brothers around the table we were having conversations I've been hearing people talk about, well, you know, the first time I think I've heard of Christian nationalism is like two years ago, Mm -hmm. and, you know, here we are in 2023, and they're like aiming like back to 2021. Mm -hmm. I would go back to 2018. Yeah. The very first time that I heard this statement was as we were sitting at the table, we were talking about these things, um, leading up having conversations, I was hearing the term Christian nationalism Mm -hmm. being used then. Mm -hmm and needing some formation and, you know, specificity of definition, all of that. But that's when I first heard it was Mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, it wasn't on my radar screen in the sense of the way it is now in a a sort of a movement or, you know, this this popularity that we're seeing today. But yes, we have not been those who, you know, shrink Shrink back and, you know, crawl up up under pews and just pray, come quickly, Lord right, Jesus. Right. That's not our approach to yeah. dealing with problems in the public square. Yeah. We're willing to take stands against abortion and to try to pass bills uh, you know, that, that would basically uh, outlaw all abortions mm-hmm. in the state of Georgia, which we were leading in that right. charge, to try to figure out ways uh, to even bring about justice for all, right. which yeah. would actually mean that those who engage in abortion are actually going to have to you know, uh, be punished yeah. as a result of this. It's, it's so, equal protection. Equal right. yeah. pro- we want the so, equal
0: protection for the, for the lives of the unborn, uh, as we do for those of us who walk around every day.
2: Absolutely. Right. So again, this charge that we have, or that if you, anyone that stands against this specific form of Christian nationalism... Um, has a loser theology that should be, you know in the same equation as Russell Moore and Tim Keller and right. David French. I would wholeheartedly disagree with right. that statement. Yeah. and
1: yeah. and let's clarify this too because I think a lot there are a lot of there are a lot of Christians out there. they love they love this country. yep, they're patriots and they hear the term Christian nationalist and they think, oh, that just means, Christian patriotism. I believe nations are good. I want the best for my nation. I love my nation over other nations. You know, all of that. And we affirm all of those things too. Sure. We believe that nations, God has designed nations for a purpose. We believe that, that you know, like the, the illustration is, is commonly given, you know, I love all women, but I love my wife in a special way. Yeah. We believe that about this country. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sort of small-end nationalism, now there are other things embedded that come later, but that idea that nations are good, that we love this nation, and that we want to work for the best of this nation, we affirm that 100%. Right. Wholeheartedly.
2: Right. In fact, you could not become any more patriotic than I am. Right. I love this nation. Yep. I am grateful for this country. <clears throat> I am grateful for our military. Mm-hmm. I disagree with the woke movement in the military. That's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I am grateful for those who have sacrificed to provide us the freedom that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm for closed borders. Right. I'm for a sovereign nation. Yep. I am pro-America. I believe in America first that, because I live here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am against this idea that we should legislate Christianity, yep. at any form or fashion, and so the the conversation that's being developed under the umbrella of Christian nationalism is complicated. But we we can agree on a whole lot of things up to a point. Mm-hmm. But then when we start getting to a point where we start talking about okay, what is the relationship between the church and the state? Mm and does the, the Christian prince, to use the language that's being put forth by Wolf and others who are using that same language, the civil magistrate, is this individual responsible for just the, the realm of Romans 13 with a hand upon the sword to punish who? The evildoers, mm-hmm. so that those who are actually law-abiding citizens would not have anything to fear. Is that his jurisdiction, or does he also have at least some finger or hand upon the keys as well? And so certain language that's being put forth with this idea of, quote-unquote, leading uh, his people to the gates of eternal salvation, Mm. it, it just makes me a little uncomfortable. In fact, it makes me very uncomfortable because I know church history. And as a Baptist, I don't have a complex, by the way. I've heard people say Baptists live with this this complex that they've walked through persecution and that they're just a persecuted people and a a woe is me mentality. No, I actually have a very optimistic view because I've read the end of the book Mm -hmm. and I know who wins. In fact, I know who's presently now seated upon his throne. Mm -hmm. And so one of these days, Christ will return. And every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I am not living in fear; I walk forward with great confidence every day to preach the gospel, embrace the sovereignty of God, sow the seed, water the seed. God gives the increase. Um, but again, this idea that there's this this overlap at some level with the civil magistrate with regard to the the church makes me uncomfortable because I know what happened to John Rogers in 1555 mm-hmm. at Smithfield. I okay. know what happened to John Bunyan with the Puritans uh, in Bedford, England. Mm-hmm. I know what happened to Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley and the Oxford Martyrs in the streets of Oxford. I know what happened, you know, to you know all these people throughout church history. When you start looking at how the state church relationship is conflated and then really the question becomes at this point who gets to determine what version of christianity is christianity
1: yeah that's a big that's a big point and and you you try to there's not a lot of specificity for for example in wolf's book on that question and you start pressing these advocates for christian nationalism and and they don't give an answer like who who gets to decide uh if you know i've heard people say well we we want a standard where you have to be a christian in order to serve in public office okay but who gets to determine what those qualities are because frankly here here's a point uh every president every us president in my lifetime has claimed to be a christian yeah. so who gets to this? now we all would say biden is no bible believing christian but who gets to decide that mm-hmm. and that that's where where you get this conflating of church and state there has got to be some sort of then church council that approves who gets in and who gets out yeah. how do, how do we work those yeah. things out there, there's no actual answers to those sorts of questions yeah.
0: but before we even get there i want to go back to something that that you said josh which is you know the, the issue of, of of the of, of nations nationalism are, are we unpatriotic? Are we not, uh, are we not for America? Well, the, r- the reality is we, we have been, are, and we've demonstrated that. Uh, I'm someone who's, who's worn the uniform of this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spent 12 years of, of my life committing myself to uh, being willing to put myself in harm's way to defend the Constitution of the United States. I did that with great pride. Yeah. Uh, there, there was no shrinking back. No, you know, woe is me or, or this, Amer- I can't stand for this America. I did it under presidents. I agreed with, I did it under presidents. I disagreed with, right. I, I served under, under Clinton, uh, as well as, uh, under, under, um, uh, who was it? Uh, Bush, Bush the first and, and, and on the backside, uh, uh d- 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 a W
1: it sounds I, like a uh, King designation, they Bush, King Bush, Bush
0: the, the first, Bush the first. Yeah. 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 The first Bush, the second Bush. Um, it's one of those things where I, I reject the idea that we aren't patriotic or yeah. that we mm-hmm. or that we're weak on the idea of of a nation or a nation state or borders or those kinds of things where we would put uh, America first. Uh, as it relates to the issue of, of the evangelical uh, wars that we've had to face uh, regarding wokeism, because wokeism didn't just stay outside the church, it entered the church. Right. Uh, and we had to deal with that and address those issues. Um, when I thought about what I wanted to do with the, with the back half of my life uh, in coming to G3, my thought process was I want to spend the rest of my remaining days that, that, that God gives me by his grace working toward, arming toward, educating, encouraging, and equipping a local churches yeah. and seeing God's glory made manifest in the people of God everywhere that this ministry would touch. Mm. Uh, as such, I didn't come here thinking, oh, I, there's a political aim. I can't wait for us to enter politics so that we can, we can shape the culture. Uh, my thought was, I can't wait to be part of a prophetic ministry, willing to stand up for truth, declare that truth, speak that truth in in a way that impacts culture uh, so that we can see God's glory made manifest.
2: Yeah. Did you just admit that you're over the hill? No, not at all. I was going to
1: say, you're in the back back half of your life? <laughs>
2: Well, hey, I,
0: I'll take that. Right, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. But listen, I'm, I'm prayerful for for thirty, forty, fifty more years oh, of ministry. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. yeah. ho- you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm hopeful okay. for that. But.
2: No, I agree with you, Virgil. Um, you know, <laughs> not with that part. But, um, I I agree with you in the sense of you know, look, G three consistently aims at strengthening local churches, and so what does that look like? Well, that means that there are going to be times when we're going to have to take unpopular stands. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to say hard things, and we're going to try to do so with as much charity as possible. Right, We're going to try to do so with as much uh, love and compassion as we possibly can, even with friends that we love and disagree with yeah. on these matters. Yeah. But the reality is we love this nation. We're for, you know, America. But at the end of the day... We have to be honest and ask ourselves the question, which I think, you know, our friend James White has done a good job of teasing out these these complexities in his in his dividing lines recently is, you know, we're we're basically not really ready to get down to the to the brass tacks Mm -hmm. of this project yet, Mm -hmm. because there are some really, really big hurdles that have to be overcome. In order for this to work, absolutely. And so, one of the things that I think we need to be honest about, and this is my personal position, if you guys disagree, this is not necessarily a G three organizational, you know, position, um, but but I do think for the form of Christian nationalism that is being put forth in the public sphere, mm-hmm. this being, you know, championed by people like Wolf and others, for it to really be successful. I think requires several things. One would be, um, ultimately, for it to be truly successful. I think it rests and is driven by a certain form of eschatology that I think is most consistent with. I'm not suggesting, in fact, Stephen Wolff has already said that he is not postmillennial. He sure. actually holds to an amillennial position. Um, but I think to be most consistent, it would it would it would necessitate a postmillennial eschatology. Mm. Um, I think for it to be successful, it would require nothing short of a great awakening, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then beyond that, um, if 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 we're not aiming at a, a great awakening for this to happen, then the real question would be this: Is this like is this going to necessitate some sort of revolution? Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not saying that my brothers that that disagree with us on this issue that they're, you know, like these really bad actors that are trying to figure out some devious form to overthrow the nation. But I do think that because we are Christians and we do love America and we do have a constitution, I think it would be fair to ask the question, what does this Christian nationalism project do with the first amendment? Yes. We have to ask these questions. Right. And so uh, I'm all for the swelling of Christianity in this nation. If God would be pleased to give us a quote-unquote great awakening here in yeah, this we're, land. Yeah, we're like, yes and amen. I would love it. Yeah. In fact, I can remember back to what in many ways you might say is the backside of the the wonderful blessings of Christianity that had permeated this land. Mm-hmm. I can remember back to... I'm not old enough to remember the 1950s. I know that that's one, you know, date that a lot of people want to aim for. No, nor am I. I just want yeah. to add that <laughs> okay. I, I, I just I just want to put the, I was just
0: thinking about yeah, I want to add I, I don't know nothing well, about the 50s. based upon brother. what you said before, no, 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 no. yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure,
2: <laughs> but, um, at the end of the day, you know, post 1950, you know, I grew up in the in the 80s. Um, but but I remember here in the South in the Bible Belt you know, a, a rural community at that time when I was a boy, on the outskirts of Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta, in many ways, has swollen out to this area, but I can remember back to what it was like to see this this land that we love, yeah. that had these these cultural markers, uh, that that and indicators that was pointing us to the scripture and pointing us to yes. the gospel yes. and seeing some fruit and blessings of the gospel being preached in this country. I am all for seeing a revival of that. Mm-hmm. I am all for seeing a revival of a, a, a swelling of Christianity, genuine Christianity right. in this land that brings about genuine fruit where we can see just wonderful blessings um, from the public square to the church pew. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that yes, the, uh, again, we had uh, specific you know laws even in this county here when I was a boy that would prevent you from you know purchasing alcohol on Sunday and gas stations oftentimes just culturally wouldn't even be open on yeah. Sunday um, and, and and you know so it wasn't just Chick Fil A right mm-hmm. I mean it was beyond Chick Fil A right? right right closed down on the Lord's day. Um, So there's certain blessings to that. But there's also, we have to be honest, this cultural form of Christianity also provides some curses. And some of the dangers to cultural Christianity, I know, Scott, you wrote an article on this, is that what you end up with is you you end up with people that are basically uh, being told that they are a Christian because they live in a quote unquote Christian nation. Right. And then they're lulled to sleep thinking that, well, I was born in America. I'm told this is a Christian nation. And so um, I don't really love Jesus and I don't really love the church. But okay, then I must be okay with yeah. God. Maybe I go to church occasionally. Yeah. Maybe I got into a habit of doing that because my parents took me to church and so I've continued that post, you know, uh, you know, childhood into adult life. Mm-hmm. I continue to just sort of go to church on Sunday and I go to lunch with my family on the Lord's Day and then that's about it. That's right. all that my Christianity really is and then they're lulled to sleep believing that they are indeed a Christian when they're not a Christian and then they go right off into the gates of hell. Right. And so I think we have to be honest with this whole idea of, you know, suggesting that it's almost like the halfway covenant, if you will. Yes, if you think back to absolutely. you know Solomon Stoddard and you think mm-hmm. about Jonathan Edwards and he became convinced, you know what? My grandfather was wrong, and I shouldn't be allowing pagans to actually take of the Lord's table in, in, in hopes that it's gonna influence them to actually become a real Christian. Right. right. So I'm gonna stop that. Well, it, it resulted in, you know, good theology a massive controversy, and it cost Jonathan Edwards his job as a pastor of that church. But if we approach this form of Christianity on a national scale, I think what we end up with is we end up with that sort of problem, thinking that, well, if you just legislate this sort of thing and make people say that they're a a Christian because they live in a Christian nation— then I think what you end up with is you know this idea. Well, we can just say that those cultural things will influence them right. to become a real Christian. I think that we're fooling ourselves. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, you, you pointed out earlier the the, the eschatological uh, underpinnings of some of this, but there's also uh, some theological issues with regard to Baptist theology versus Presbyterian theology. And as Baptists, we we believe you don't call someone a Christian until they have professed faith in Christ. Right. You don't baptize them until after a profession of faith, right? It's a theological, biblical argument. And, and there's really parallels to, to, this, to this issue with Christian nationalism. Uh, if I'm, I'm right with you, Josh. I mean, the, you know, the question is, I wrote this article about you know, the, the, the blessings of Christendom. I affirm those. There are undeniable blessings like you were talking about. Uh, you know, I'm asked the question, would you rather live in Mayberry or in Portland? Well, of course I'd rather live in Mayberry. That's not the question. There are definite, definite blessings.
0: There weren't that many black. Was there a black person in Mayberry? <laughs> well, there's, just, there's an I, interesting I, question. I swear, uh, was, but, do we know a black Was there a black person in Mayberry? Yeah. I'm trying. I watched the show. I don't remember that there was a black person in Mayberry. Yeah. See?
1: Yeah. See? I, I, See? Re- I well, think, there's, I, there's think I remember. But, but, but you do? Yeah. Okay. Really? I have okay, to go back but, and look. But, here, but here's a real question. <laughs> like if... If there's true people coming to faith in Christ, <laughs> faithfully living out their Christianity, and that influences these little pockets for better, amen. That's what we're for. Rear your children of the glory of God, uh, live out your Christianity in your neighborhood and your in your spheres. Those are wonderful things. That's different from putting a label on a nation, putting a label on a community of unbelieving people, saying we are Christian. Therefore, act like it, and and again, in 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 Wolf's defense, and these folks, they don't believe that that actually makes them Christian, right? Right? They would say this actually aids in leading them to faith. Yeah, influences them. Influences them. But there again, you have to look at at well, both scripture and history. And Josh, you brought up history. I mean, that the Edwards example is a perfect example. Why was there even a need for a great awakening? that close to the reality of christendom yeah. it was because you had churches filled with people who were told they were christians who were who were welcomed into the covenant without a personal profession of faith in christ mm. and at the end of the day that's what we're after yeah. we want to see people come to faith in christ and then absolutely actively live out committed christianity in every aspect of life all of Christ for all of life. Yeah. amen. Right. Yeah, amen to that. One of the things that
0: I that I hear is you guys are articulating kind of the positions, the thought processes, even the differences that you have with, say, you know, a Presbyterian uh, a form of—I don't want to say government—a Presbyterian approach uh, to discipleship as opposed to a Baptist approach. In 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 that vein, those are two different ideas. They're gonna they're gonna unpack scripture and their scriptural basis for that. We're going to attempt to do the same. Mm-hmm. I think that's a friendly conversation.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the difference is with when you examine uh, Stephen Wolf's book, is it's devoid of scripture,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? What he is pulling from is uh, is historical uh, philosophy on politics, uh, rather than the theology of scripture, and, and and that's where the differences are. That's why, and as I read this. It's easy for me to see the great differences between what Wolf is positing and perhaps maybe what, what, what's, what's, uh, what, what a James White would say about this issue. Sure. His push is more toward, hey, at, at least as I've listened to, to James, his thing is this is going to happen through a, a revival. This is yeah. going to happen through that kind of thing. Well, his approach mimics ours in that we're saying the same things as it relates to transformation happening from the inside yeah out yeah. rather than a transformation that we're trying to install mm-hmm. from the outside in. So ours is more gospel-focused, gospel-centered, gospel proclamation, be a prophetic voice in the culture, in the public square, unashamedly, flat-footed, uh, you know, s- straight-eyed, clear-eyed about what we're mm-hmm. saying uh, rather than this, hey, we've got this 500-page volume of, of political theory That we think would work good, and we're going to put the Christian nationalism label on the top, and then and then foist it upon uh, upon culture. This is
1: an important point, and and emphasizing Scripture too is an important point. I mean, one of my really my primary objection to this Christian nationalism proposal is that you know the idea of rebuilding Christendom. Uh, or establishing Christianity as the, you know, you know, for some people, just the dominant religion of our nation. Maybe we allow other religions, but Christianity is the established religion. Uh, the, my primary criticism is I don't see any hint of that in the New Testament. Right. There's no hint of, of Christian nationalism. There is a strong emphasis on living holy lives. There's a strong emphasis on being active in the public square, raising godly children, proclaiming the gospel for the glory of Christ. But but you don't find any hint of this idea of, of building Christian nations or, or or conglomerations of nations into Christendom. Uh, that we find in history or that is being proposed in Wolf's book or even some of these other uh, arguments, you just you, you don't find it. What you find is an emphasis on Christian faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And again, the Christian nationalists agree with us on that. They want Christian faithfulness. We want Christian faithfulness. We're in agreement on that. But this idea of building Christendom or establishing Christian nations, that's what I just don't see any, yeah. any argument. I understand the theological argument. For instance, of yeah. post-millennialism, or even Wolf's sort of philosophical theological arguments, you know, these arguments that, well, you know, the government has been tasked by God for the good of humanity, and we know that what will be best for humanity is Christianity. Therefore, the government ought to establish Christianity. I understand the logic of the argument. Right. The question is, where do we find that in the pages of scripture, yeah. particularly in the scripture that gives us our our marching orders? Right as the New Testament church. You yeah. just don't find it.
2: Well, the problem with that argument is exactly what you teased out earlier in the conversation is that the Roman Catholics would say the same thing. Right? The Roman Catholics would say if you allow our version or our religion or our form of quote-unquote Christianity right. to permeate the land, then it will have a wonderful effect upon this nation. So again, when i hear people say we're not aiming for a confessional form of right. christian nationalism but a creedal yeah. form yeah. Yeah. then i want to ask this question this is an honest question what creed are we using mm-hmm. and is this you know some sort of minimalist approach to christianity that allows for a big tent approach to christianity so therefore basically you're just aiming at instead of a robust you know strong Firm, real, clear Christianity—you're actually watering it down right. to allow for you to have the big tent, cult, you know, cultural Christianity—and I right. think that's dangerous. And right. in, in, in other words, when I think about my time in the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. I don't want to just throw rocks at the SBC today in this conversation, but I, you know, part of my, you know, problem with that whole project, if you will, mm-hmm. is that it was always so focused on big tent, Mm. big tent, big tent. So what do you have to do to get to big tent? Water things down. You have to compromise, Mm -hmm. capitulate, compromise, and then continue to just give up ground. And it's really interesting to me that some of our brothers who have what would seem to be really specific, robust theology are arguing for this watered down approach to a creedal form of national Christianity mm-hmm. that would basically just allow us to have a big tent approach so that someone that's a Roman Catholic, for instance, might be able to say, okay, well, if the creed is the Apostles' Creed, sign me up for that. Right. So at what point, so in other words, what version of Christianity yep. are we talking about? Who determines what version? Right. What creed? Who determines what creed? Yep. And then what's the result of that? Right. That's why it's so important that we keep
1: these realms separate. As Christians, we're in both of these, so right. that's what makes it complicated. But when it comes to Christianity, you can't be watered down. You can't be broad, right? And I think our, our Presbyterian, our post-mill brothers would say the same thing, right? They believe they're right when it comes to post-millennialism and, and, and Presbyterianism. And like you said, they strongly defend those biblically. We believe we're right when it comes to Christianity church membership there has to be a, a stronger confessional base but we would all say you don't have to have that level of agreement to be in the same nation yeah. right right there is a broader tent when it comes to, to nation which is why the standards for citizenship in a nation yeah. are different than the standards for membership in a church yeah, I totally agree now the question is you know the, the you know you, you hear this uh, Virgil you alluded to this earlier there's this sort of um, uh, bifurcation, like you only have two options. It's either right. it's either you know uh, it's either Christian nationalism or utter paganism. Right. It's either Christian nationalism or pagan nationalism. And and we even have good friends who've sort of articulated it that way. But here's I think what they're missing. They're missing the fact that there is a third category, and the third category is what Paul says in Romans chapter two. The third category is when Gentiles do what the law requires because the law is written on their hearts. And what it's talking about there is a morality, a universal morality Mm -hmm. that is God's. It is God's law, but nevertheless, it is written on all men's hearts. And so what what often happens, and this is true in our nation, this is true in many nations around the world, is that pagan people figure out, you know what, if we outlaw murder, Mm -hmm. our society is going to flourish better. Well, how did they figure that out? It's because the law of God is written on their hearts. Uh, it, it, to put it in sort of um, even ironically Bonson presuppositional categories, they're borrowing Christian Christian capital. They're right. borrowing from actually the the true worldview because it's written on their on their hearts, and they're figuring out well this is what makes this is what makes societies flourish. Uh, and you know C.S. Lewis makes this point in, in both Mere Christianity and The Abolition of Man. All, all successful nations throughout history have had a certain level of morality that is put into law. What is that morality? It is, it is morality that maintains peace and stability in the civic realm. It allows for a big tent in terms of actual confession. It allows for a big tent in what it means to be a citizen of the nation. But everybody recognizes that there has to be a certain amount of, of morality in law for particularly for the inner relationships of people and for the protection of human life, that that is that third category, uh, the moral law of God. If you want to put it in terms of the Ten Commandments, it's the second tablet, right? We would we would say with the 1689 confession that the Ten Commandments were simply a codification of the universal moral law of God that's written on the hearts of every man, mm-hmm. and so it is those commandments that deal with interpersonal relationships between people that are put then into law for the stability of a society which is that third category i think they're not allowing for between utter chaos anarchy we're not for that or the christianization yeah, of a right. nation right yeah yeah those are those are two those are two very separate
0: categories and i think you're right there's there's no there's no room for for middle the other thing is uh, even in the language that wolf uses he 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 admits that, that there, there's, there are situations where there's going to have to be a, a Christian magistrate that comes in and, and makes the determination as to how things will function. He says it this way. He says that the Christian magistrate, the question is, he says he's asking, the question is whether a Christian magistrate having civil rule over a civil society of Christians may punish with civil power false teachers, heretics, blasphemers, and idolaters for their external expression of such things in order to prevent, one, any injury to the souls of the people of God, and that's a broad category, Mm -hmm. two, the subversion of Christian government, Christian culture, or spiritual discipline. And when you say spiritual discipline, I hear, maybe I'm wrong, I hear church discipline, Mm -hmm. but I could be wrong, right? And then three, or civil disruption or unrest. Wolf says this. He says modern religious uh, religious liberty advocates deny this. He says, but I, Wolf, affirm it. Yeah, and and that that's that, begi- <clears throat> that what that begins to do is forget religious liberty yeah. and, and even even expression of 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 any form other than the version of Christian nationalism mm-hmm. that's being posited by Stephen Wolf. Yeah. So if, if if we're Baptists and we we're not willing to baptize children, uh, that that have not professed faith in Christ, well, what do you do with that? Yeah. Are those are those folks criminalized? And again, I, I, I can hear the people on the other side that, ah, yeah, we're not going to do that. I mean, that's not what we're going to do. That's fine. But on the, what
1: basis? The, that's the question. The, the, what, on the basis of what they're arguing, why wouldn't they flog Baptists? Right, they right. say they wouldn't, and I, yeah. I mean, they're good people. I believe them, but there's sure. no actual theological reason they wouldn't. There isn't. Yeah. And, and
0: then, I mean, you've got to ask yourself in a question <laughs> that's that, that's um, that has a lot of different religious expressions, Christian and non-christian uh, Muslim right Mormon uh, p- folks who are atheists what do you do with those mm-hmm. people and 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 what what kinds of laws are set into place and how, how do you actually enact this level of, of punishment for those people
2: yeah well I mean they uh, again it, it's uh, I think this is where we start to get into the sticky issues of you know the the civil realm and you know you start talking about the two tables of the law mm-hmm. And they're right out in the open, a lot of these people who are you know, advocates of Christian nationalism, they're actually suggesting that this Christian Prince figure is to, he's actually to enforce both tables. Right. And that's where I'm trying to tease out my my problem mm-hmm. and, and my concern. So when I put on Twitter and I tweet out something like, I'm not for... A Protestant pope, mm-hmm. and people go bonkers, <laughs> um, or you know, they 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 start charging me with it, you know exaggerating. Basically, I'm putting my finger on the nerve ending to say this is a problem for me, because when I start seeing this idea put forth that the you know the the, the Christian prince is going to be you know pressing upon, and he's going to be involving himself in the spiritual matters Mm -hmm. of a person's life Mm -hmm. then yes you do have to ask yourself a question okay what do we do about blasphemy law how is that going to be punished who determines that and then at at, you know at some level we just have to have these conversations because again this is a project that is being proposed uh, you know within the realm of of evangelicalism so we really need to be having these conversations and i'm happy to have the conversation I'm happy to have that conversation, yep. but this idea that either you embrace this idea of of the Christian prince, or we're going to say that you have a loser theology and you're on the same you know realm of you know conversation with say like a Russell Moore. Yeah. I, I would say that that's a a false caricature of Absolutely. us or anyone for that matter yeah. Yeah. that would push back against these problems. Again, I think that when you start saying Christian prince. Both tables start talking about the soul of a man and you know the gates of eternal salvation. Then you just have to ask yourself this honest question: Yes, people will say because I've I've charged you know uh, this conversation with getting to the point where the the Christian prince would have hands on the sword and the keys, and they right. say absolutely not. Right. That's the church. But at some level, yeah. if this Christian prince is speaking to the church, and then the church is carrying out the discipline. There is a connection right. even if it's 1 degree of separation it's there called is sacralism. a con- there is a connection right. to the keys that I'm yeah.
1: uncomfortable with yeah. 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 absolutely yeah. and people ask you know, where do we get justification for this idea that government ought to enforce the second tablet and not the first well Romans 13 the, yeah. h- the context is so key because it's clear in Romans 13 that God has instituted governing authorities. Absolutely, they have a role. But it's significant that in the next verses, what are the commandments Paul specifically cites as those that are in this context? They're commandments that are summed up with "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." Things like "You shall not murder," "You shall not steal." That's not—he's not just—that's not, ju- that's not a, a a whiplash of of topics. He's yeah. talking about government's role. Right. Given to it by God, and then he moves directly to for the purpose of keeping this love between neighbors, neighbors, this this uh, peace and stability right. in the civic sphere in this present evil That's age. Right. That is the government's role.
2: Yeah, and so you know, you have people that want to give examples and say, well, you know, what happens if someone in your church commits a crime? then you're going to have both the, the the civil sphere and the church sphere, both authority figures are going to be engaged with that individual at different levels. And I would say yes and amen to that. Right, exactly. If someone is abusing children and we find out about it in the life of this church, we don't say, well, we're going to take six weeks to go through church discipline to the point of excommunication before we call the authorities. Right, we call so the authorities day number one. Yep. Because we understand that there is this separation between the civil sphere, and the church, but at the same time, this person that's a member of this church is also a member of this state right. and this nation as well. And so we have to understand the balance that's there. And it's a beautiful thing, I think.
1: And, and by the way, if someone in our congregation murdered someone, yep. right, we would deal with that from a spiritual standpoint, Yes, but we, we would. don't have the authority of capital punishment. That's right. That authority has been given to the state. So there's there, This is why it's complicated because, yeah, there are connections, right? The heart manifests itself in action, and so it gets messy. But at the end of the day, the church has jurisdiction over the spiritual realm, which, of course, involves how we live. The state has jurisdiction over these externals, which are manifestations of the heart. That's why it's messy. But still, it's important. This is part of the problem. We're we're un. Satisfied with the messiness, we want utopia, right? And I do too. Like, I long for a Christian nation, I long for utopia, I long for this perfect union of church and state. And you know, when that's going to happen, when the king is visibly on his throne, absolutely ruling with a rod of iron. Absolutely. I can't wait for the day, yeah. right? Yeah. But we live in a sin cursed world right now, so we have to operate as God has designed for us in this present evil age and scripture tells us what god has designed yeah, we, we don't we age.
0: don't need a christian prince right we need jesus christ the king of kings to return yeah. uh, that's what we long for yeah. uh, and and that's that's not what's being posited currently with with i mean i, I don't see Christ anywhere uh, as a as a as a as a launching point as the point that we're pushing toward uh, even even in the in that we're proclaiming the gospel so that people can can experience more of, of his grace his love the, the the full manifestation of the of the of the of the gospel transformation that's supposed to take place we don't see that anywhere uh, in 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 the writing of of Stephen Wolf and it's 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 sad I, again I keep going back to this is political theater. This is this is political theory. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I, I'm not mistaken when I say both of those words. Uh, this is, this is not uh, substantive from a biblical framework uh, for us to follow. One of the things I think about as I listen to this conversation unfold is that um, I think about the purpose uh, that we do what we do here at G Three. You know, it is for for the education, a- equipping, and encouragement of local church pastors. Uh, as I'm watching this conversation take place right now, it's taking place uh, you know, in, in the public sphere to the degree that you're on Twitter, right? Uh, in, in the public sphere, in, in, in the degree that you have a podcast platform or that you have uh, you know, the ability to kind of through some social media process to engage in the debate. The reality is that the vast majority of local church pastors are sitting at home going, what in the world are you talking about? Mm. Like they're trying to figure out what's happening, and all they hear is a term,
2: yeah,
0: Christian nationalist, mm-hmm. and they're thinking,
2: I'm yeah. a nationalist, oh, yeah. I'm a Christian, yeah. sign me up for that, absolutely. But I love this nation, I'm a patriot, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so they're not they're not delving into the, all of the nuances, and so when when we come along, when G three comes along and says, let's pump the brakes, let's let's pause. Before we get a whole, you know, gallery of people armed and ready to go take do battle, let's pump the brakes a bit and go through this thing line by line. Folks are coming at us like we're, you know, we're 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 the demons. We're we're against uh, the things that God is doing in our nation. And and I, I just I, a, I reject that. Right. Um, B I th- I think it I think this issue, as many that come along the that come along our way requires precision and thoughtfulness, uh, and theology attached to it.
1: And, and not and, knee-jerk reaction. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, what, that's the biggest danger here, right? We all hate what's going on in our culture. We have stood against the CRTI woke movement. We have stood against uh, abortion, against the transgenderism, against homosexual quote-unquote marriage. We're against those things. But the answer is not to respond using the same tactics, techniques, and power grab that that our secular opponents are are actually doing, and he, and here's here's the reality, right? Josh, you alluded earlier that a lot of people I, I've heard I've been listening to a lot of you know podcasts, interviews, panels, presentations on Christian nationalism, and almost every one of them will say something like this: I didn't even hear this term until like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, where where did it, who started the conversation? And I think if you start to dig, what you find is it's actually coming from the secular left who are pushing Christians to the degree, trying to manipulate well-meaning, God-fearing Christians to react in what could become violent and revolutionary ways. I don't think any of the leaders are saying we ought to do that. But there are a lot of people who are getting angry about transgender story hour. Rightly so, getting angry about what they're seeing, and they're being manipulated by the secular left to respond with violence. Yeah. And that's where the whole Christian nationalism conversation was actually started. Yeah. And now Christians are sort of jumping on, trying to read, redefine things, trying to articulate things in, in a post-mill pr- perspective, for, for example, uh, and, and really falling into the very trap that's been laid for us. Yeah that really could become very dangerous going down the road. I I, I
0: wrote an article a little bit about that that alluded to this reactionary movement. Yeah. That, that we're witnessing, and, and, and I kind of I looked at it and said, they're taking on they, those who hold to Stephen Wolfe's version of Christian nationalism. They're really picking up the playbook from the woke left. Mm. Um, it, it really struck me. In fact, I, I, I challenged them with, with this. I said, many would contend that the struggle for social justice and the propagation of Christian nationalism share no similarities, and I, I absolutely disagree. Uh, both are responses to feelings of subjugation, and powerlessness, each seek a top-down government facilitated remedy for their concerns. Both are willing to cede authority to the government for the benefit of their respective peoples. Both parties recognize that constitutional powers, such as the First Amendment, must be constrained to advance their cause. Mm-hmm. And so, what we're seeing is, and and and, and I get it. Uh, and and I'll just I'll just be I'll speak plain English here. Uh, white guys are upset. You know what I'm saying I mean Mm -hmm. and 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 I get it right every time they turn around they're being bombarded with a flurry and a flood of you know you're the cause for this you're the cause for that you know white guys getting up going to work every day and all of a sudden he recognizes there by by the time if he turns on the radio in the car he's to blame for 20 disparities that are being faced by every other person in the world that Mm -hmm. he had nothing to do with Mm -hmm. and and now he's he's mad. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right I mean this is a this is a natural response to that kind of outrage and backlash and so here here it comes uh you know two years in three years in November 2020 2022 at post George Floydian culture we get wolf's book and hey, hey we're going to be Christian nationalists I think you were right 2018 you mentioned it 2017 when the term first started showing up it was kind of a, a, a leftist jab Right. It was just a pejorative. You know, you know, those old Christian nationalists and what they meant was those old white guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what was those really white meant. Patriots. Those, yeah, yeah, those, those yeah. white Yeah, those those white evangelicals yeah. even, right? So yeah. so that was that was the language around it. And so, you know, you you either embraced it and said that's not me, I don't care. You're not going to call me a racist and get away with it. So 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 it kind of got left alone for a bit. And now after 3 years, 5 years of getting beat up, you know Stephen Wolf comes along and says, "I'm gonna cape this up yeah. you know I'm gonna put my cape on I'm gonna tie up Christian nationalism around my around my neck and and let's let's roll um I, th- I think that's foolhardy yeah. in its approach and yeah. and, and we've got to pause and so think just like
1: these we things. criticize CRTI social justice for using man-made worldly yeah. methods yeah really we're seeing the same thing mm. right we, we don't want to fall into those same traps yeah don't don't adopt man made worldly ideologies or worldly methodologies right. because you feel oppressed. Sure. Uh, stand yes. firm, be faithful, live godly lives, stand against sin when you see it, but don't fall into those same sorts of errors and that, that, the and, other and, and, that and
0: that's where I make the distinction between a Stephen Wolfe brand of Christian nationalism and even the iterations that come out after that, the William Wolfs and, and all these other iterations that come out after following Stephen Wolf's lead. I make a distinction between those guys and then thoughtful post-millennialists who are saying, hey, I'm not uh, I'm not embracing a political theory. I'm not embracing some some 17th, 18th, 19th century political philosophy. Uh, I'm actually looking at scripture and and Josh Scott. This is how I read it. Mm we can have that conversation all day long. We can have that. This this idea that we're going to pick up some version of nationalism that we've witnessed historically be some of the most damaging, having some of the most damaging effects to nations, to nation states in Europe. We're going to adopt that, put the word Christian on it and make it better.
2: It's a a bad move. Um, So just to that point, as we think about big government, small government, as Mm -hmm. we think about what's called typically sphere sovereignty coming from Kuiper's famous quote where he talks about there's not one square inch of our human existence where Christ, who is sovereign, doesn't cry mine. Well, you know what? I would say amen to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. In fact, I would say that Jesus presently today is seated upon his throne and he is indeed king. Mm-hmm. He is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. But what I would suggest is that 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 hyper version of Kuiper did not play out too well in the Netherlands. That's right. And I think if you take that example post Kuiper in the Netherlands, and what did that form of cultural Christianity do? Mm-hmm. I don't think that it played out so well. I think if you go to South Africa, I think if you go to England, I think if you go to even modern America right. and look at what happened, and if you just come visit the Bible Belt and you go walk through the streets of Atlanta and you talk to people, culturally speaking— it's a common thing for people to say, oh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. I'm, right. a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm um, a Christian. I think we have to be aiming for something higher than that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, to the Kuiper quote yeah. Is Jesus sovereign? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Are we having a conference about that? Yeah. Are we are having <laughs> <Yeah>. a conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was a good segue, I was trying man. To trying to a throw a yeah, I was
0: I was too deep into your conversation, yeah. <laughs> to t- <laughs> trying to actively listen. So I, at least I get two points for that. We want to invite you to the conference on the sovereignty of God. Uh, we're having it here in Atlanta, September twenty first through the twenty third. It is going to be jam packed. It's for issues like this that you need to come. Uh, you need to be a part. We're going to have a couple of pre conferences where we talk uh, and have conversations about this. One of the pre conferences on the twentieth uh, is going to be. The Gospel and the State, uh, put on by our friends at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. Uh, definitely want you to be a part of that, want you to take in all of the information. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a panel discussion. Josh, you're going to be
2: on that panel. The, the main dish for the, for the you know— pre-conference is going to be James White. James <laughs> White will be at yeah. that. Yeah,
1: we're going to have pre-mill and post-mill all, all, one on, the, all on
0: one stage. So. Yeah, you you Listen, get your tickets now before that thing sells out. September the 20th, that's a part of the pre-conference. We'll also have uh, our friends at the, the Master's Fellowship uh, who are going to be uh, participating in their pre-conference called Gracious and Courageous. Gracious and Courageous. And following what you'll experience at the gospel and the state, you're going to need to be gracious and courageous. <laughs> so we Got back to back up uh, we pre- also
2: have some things planned r- with regard to both of these Absolutely. some special things that we're going to be announcing soon we're going to hear from our brother uh, John MacArthur as well yes and so we look forward to that yes a lot yeah. of great things happening but but d- get to the pre-conference and then stay for
0: the conference itself mm-hmm. September 21st through the 23rd right there the sovereignty of God you don't want to miss it go to g3men.org and register before the tickets sell out. There's going to be a, a – I'll mention this briefly. Uh, there, there will be a, a cost change, right? A price increase is coming. It will be coming toward the end of May. So get your tickets now before things sell out. Go to g3men.org. That's what I've got for that. Well, jumping back into our conversation as we begin to kind of – begin to slowly land the plane, um, I'm thinking again to – my mind continues because of our mission here at G3 – to go back to how the how the local church pastor uh, should think through these things, should view these things, uh, should should he be embracing this and 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 caping up for Christian nationalism? How how should we how should we be approaching this?
2: Yeah, so again, I think that I'm right with you, brothers. I think that you know even we may have a few little you know nitpicky differences, uh, you know, within this conversation. Our friends, we're going to differ with them on some things, and that's fine. We mm-hmm. can have that conversation from a biblical framework. Right. We welcome that. Um, I don't have time, really, to respond to every crazy Rock that's thrown my way on Twitter or whatever else. I'm happy to have a real legitimate conversation. And when we're critiquing things, by the way, um, a lot of people are, you know, extremely upset with this idea that we would actually critique someone. I think that we have to get back to this within the life of the church, uh, in the public sphere having conversations openly about things where we might disagree. Mm. Um, just just falling in line and saying well whoever has the largest voice at the moment, we just need to sort of be a, a sheep and just fall in behind them and just just embrace whatever they're saying. I think that that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to be able to articulate truth. we need to be able to read and discern, think through positions, see if something you know meets the test according to the biblical standard. Mm where it doesn't, be honest about it. But at the same time, we need to be able to have, you know, a conversation. And then I think that we need to be able to receive critique as well. Sure. sure. And I think that we can do that. Absolutely. But uh, the, the dust up, you know, and the controversy and people, you know, running to extremes, and I, I think that that can be a dangerous thing. But, but what I would say is we can agree with our brothers on a lot of things, we can agree with preaching the gospel yeah. openly, yeah. indiscriminately, mm-hmm. passionately. We can agree with preaching the law of God to you know uh, civil leaders. Yep. We can agree with preaching the gospel to civil leaders mm-hmm. and demanding that they bow the knee now to Christ Absolutely. because one day they will bow the knee That's to Christ. Right. We would agree with that. We would agree with protecting children from being butchered. Mm-hmm. We would agree that we disagree with... Uh, the, the whole uh, homosexual agenda and the LGBTQA+, plus whatever the latest alphabet suit might be of the day, mm-hmm. we would agree that we need to stand up and protect children mm-hmm. who are being handed over to the state to be lawfully butchered without parental consent. We would agree with our brothers that say that marriage is defined by God and the state has no right to redefine marriage. Mm-hmm. We would agree with our brothers that... Babies should never be butchered in a mother's womb and murdered that way. Mm-hmm. We would agree on a whole lot of things, like family worship mm-hmm. and singing of psalms mm-hmm. and coming together in the life of the church and having robust fellowship. And we would agree on so many things, but where we disagree, I think it's worthy of a conversation. Yeah, absolutely, because these and, are very important issues. And,
1: and what you're stressing there—the the, you know, re- rearing godly children, family worship, faithfulness in church. These are the ordinary, regular things of Christian faithfulness that God has prescribed, and and part of my concern is that those things almost get overshadowed by this grand, triumphalist, national, political sort of discussion. I mean, that's my message to pastors. Preach the gospel, preach Christian faithfulness to your people, and this is the message for all Christians under the sound of our voice live godly lives mm. be faithful don't underestimate the value of your human vocation for the glory of God don't underestimate the value you know stay at home homeschool mother of rearing godly children for the glory of God mm. that matters and 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 you know some pastors might say well you know, it really motivates people if we if we put this on a sort of grand eschatological national scale Okay, but but that's that sort of pragmatism. Then, mm-hmm. no, we ought to. You know, people say, to what end? To what end should we live godly lives? For the glory of God, right? Right? Is that is that not right. enough? Right. Live godly, holy lives yeah. for the glory of God, for the good of His people, and for the salvation of His elect. Yeah. That's what should motivate us to live publicly holy lives to the glory of God. Uh, I,
0: I totally agree. I, I, I want to add this, too, because I, I know, uh, Josh, I know you, you won't go here. You're not one to defend yourself regarding this. Uh, I just want to say that what we do at G3 is different. Um, every Everything that we do is placed through a grid. Uh, there There's a rubric that we're going to use to examine things. Uh, we don't just kind of wake up one day and think, oh, what's the latest thing on Twitter and kind of put our hands in the winds and say, we're going to, that's the position we're going to take.
1: We talked about this for months before we engaged. We, we,
0: we, this is a conversation that we've had from us The charge that, Hey, you, you, you haven't read the book. Well, yeah, we've all read three the of book us have read all multiple times. Some pages. We've we, we've, looked at, we've examined all of these things and critique them. And and, and if, if the charges you haven't read, my thing is you're probably not being clear. Um, I, I've read things on one page that say yes. And then one, and then on another page, Page that say well maybe and then on the next page it say well absolutely not and so so you know you have a volume work of 400 pages that go from here to from a to b to z in my estimation this is personal you can you can disagree if you want it's, it's for the purpose of being unclear for being ambi- you know ambiguous and and allowing for interpretation by different people and that those kinds of things are problematic let me get back to the the, the point that i want to make here we take our time to study the issues uh, we take our time. This rubric is something we use even for our, uh, our, our workshops, even for uh, what we do. And, and uh, when, when we have our events, when we, when we have big, big conferences, we look at every title that goes into a bookstore. How much more so are we going to look at what we're saying about a particular idea as it makes its way through evangelicalism? We've demonstrated our ability with the issues around CRT to do that. So put down your, your arms Right. Lay down the weapons and let's have a real honest conversation. Happy to have those conversations. Let's have a real honest conversation. And I
2: think the conversation has to be had and we're happy to contribute to that as well. Um, I would agree with you, Virgil. We we do things on purpose. One of the most freeing things, and it's a joy, honestly, to work with uh, a structure within G3 Ministries where we're not bound by you know, that this, you know, certain donor or this person, you know, that's driving us to say this, that or the other. We actually just have one firm commitment and it's truth. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, we're gonna speak truth to the issues of the day. Mm -hmm. And if that's the social justice, the latest social justice framework or ideology, or if it's something like Christian nationalism, Where it's closer to the front porch and within the family conversation Mm -hmm. where it's not so much like we're aiming at the bad actors as much as we're aiming at people that we think are in error on something. Mm -hmm. So not heretical, but in error on something that we would say, we just disagree on this. And we're disagreeing on the basis of a theological framework and foundation. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we're not bound by external factors. We're not trying to look at, see which way the wind's blowing. Mm -hmm. We're actually just saying, what is truth? and we're going to stand upon the truth Absolutely. of God's Word.
0: Absolutely. And again, we're not above, above error or missing it, and, right. we, and we'll be honest about that when we do. Uh, but there's a seriousness uh, by which we we operate and take things. And so I, I definitely want to make that point. As I, as I look at, at notes and time and all of that, I know we're about to land the plane and, and, and close shop. Scott, Josh, anything that I've missed that we need to cover in this particular episode?
2: No, I think it's been a good conversation, brothers. I've enjoyed the talk. I want to encourage all of you who are listening to read the articles that we've referenced, take time to process and think through this issue. It's an important issue Mm -hmm. of the day. It's probably gonna be fleshed out more and more as this is a project that is being proposed uh, within the realm of evangelicalism, which would have an impact upon you as a believer uh, and upon you as a citizen of this nation that we call America. So um, as always, we encourage you to persevere in the faith, to build your positions upon God's word and then to continue to serve God faithfully for the glory of God.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 podcast. Uh, join us next time. Before you leave, I am going to ask you to like, subscribe, to share this podcast with others. We appreciate it greatly. Look forward to having you next time on the next edition of the
2: G3